nations. God's gifted us, not just the gift they have, but their heart for God and heart for worship. That's what's most important, right? Uh, hey, turn to the book of Judges, the very last chapter. If you uh, don't know where Judges is and you have a Bible, your Bible's equipped with the table of contents. You can find, you can find Judges towards the beginning of the, um, the Bible. I say that you might be new to faith or new to uh, church, or if you have a, a phone, you can get a handy-dandy Bible on your phone. Uh, Judges chapter 21, the very last verse. We're going to look at one verse and continue in our series off the map uh, today. And uh, great testimonies today. Uh, God's on the move, and uh, we're a church that trusts God no matter where we find ourselves. And, and um, thank you for giving generously today to the nation of, of Burundi. Uh, the Bible says when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. How many know that? That's powerful. When you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. So doing well with finances isn't just about saving and, and uh, doing retirement and being wise with investments and real estate. It's also being wise with giving. When we stop giving, we stop growing in our finances. And we've always wanted to be a church, like I said earlier, that leads the way in generosity. Powerful. Excited to hear uh, how much was given towards the nation of Burundi. Other churches around the globe are receiving an offering as well over the last few Sundays, so really great to be a part of that. Uh, so today's uh, title, I want to talk to you about uh, not going alone, not going alone, and we're going to look at Judges uh, 21, one verse, verse 25, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Judges. We're not going to talk. I'm just going to literally take this scripture as kind of a uh, jumping off point to talk about the subject of community and not being alone in our faith. But I don't know if you've ever read the book of Judges, but it's kind of the Ripley's Believe It or Not of the Bible. It's all these crazy stories and characters who, guys like Samson and Ehud, and you think, is that in the Bible? I mean, it, it's, it's like some rated R stuff, wild stuff in the book of Judges. Can I hear a witness on that? It's a wild, uh, and what would happen in the time of the Judges was the children of Israel or God's people would go about their own way, they'd do their own thing, and they'd get into trouble. God would say, hey, if you live your own way, you're going to get into trouble, you're going to cry out to me and I'm going to save you. And you know what they did? They went their own way and that happened seven times over and over. They did their own thing and they'd repent, which means doing a 180. They'd go turn back the opposite way and God help. You ever pray a prayer like that? Oops, God help. He's fine. He, he responds, right? He's good. He's just and merciful. Uh, he would respond, and then they would come back to him, and they did that seven times. That's the story of Book of Judges, and it ends with this verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They went their own way. And I want to talk to you about not going alone in the power of community. 
See, if we're going to go off the map, if we're going to go off the map in our faith and branch out and plant churches and reach more people and grow in our community group and grow in our faith, you can't go alone, right? I love what God said to man when he said, in the beginning, he made man and Adam, right? And he said, it's not good that man is alone. Thank you, Jesus. He made woman, right? Men, that was a great spot to go, amen. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not good that we're alone, right? And all the women said, that's the truth. Can't leave him alone for a minute, uh, right? But we're not made to, there's things that you shouldn't do alone like rock climbing, right? Or scuba diving, right? You, you could do that alone or, or hide and seek or, um, right? There's some things you should never, ever, ever, ever do alone. Well, you could, you just take a nap. Um, going on long distance backpacking trips alone, John Pearson, are you here today? He's off backpacking. <laughs> Once a year, he says, yeah, he goes into the Bob Marshall like 50 miles. Uh, and I've done that. I enjoy doing that. But should you do that alone? Probably not. And most of the time, you're okay. But it's, it's not the totally safest thing to do. Uh, you know, another thing you shouldn't do alone is your walk with God. Your faith walk with God. You shouldn't do, God didn't call us to do, uh, be uh, lone rangers, right? Even the lone ranger had Tonto. Bad pastor jokes for days. Uh, amen. <laughs> Rowdy amen from the Blackfeet Nation. <clears throat> I said Blackfeet, not Blackfoot, right? Amen. So you have two feet, not one. Um, <laughs> don't go alone. God doesn't want us to, sometimes we think of solitude and silence and, and uh, really spiritual, religious people. Some people we could hold in high esteem or people we think, well, they're just always alone with God or off, you know, off praying somewhere. Uh, but I want to talk to you about if, if we're going to go really truly go off the map, what it means and a few things that, a few implications. The first is this, and I'm just going to dive right in. We've had a full morning already, so I, I don't want to take a lot of time on the message. But number one, God's after our serving, not our solitude. God's after our serving, not our solitude. And some of you may say, wait a minute, you know, you're filling out a connection card right now, you know. What about in Luke 2 where Jesus went off to a solitary place? Remember that? He went away to pray. He, Jesus, even Jesus went, I'm tired of you people. <laughs> you're great and everything, but, you know, I'm getting away. How many of you people are refreshed actually by getting away? Throw your hand up. How many of you are refreshed by people. All right. <laughs> Give me some people, man. I'm really down. Get me around a ton of people. You know, some of you are just, you, you, we'll pray for you after the meeting, right? Um, but we can sometimes think of uh, like journaling and prayer life and that our Christian walk revolves around like my personal relationship uh, with God. That's important, but how many know God called us to have a personal walk with God, just not a private walk with God? 
right? It's personal. It's not called to be private on your own. We get into trouble when, when we go off on our own or don't have people to speak into our lives. And so God really is after our, our serving others, not our solitude. Like in James 1.27, the Bible says pure religion is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widow in their uh, affliction and to keep oneself uh, unstained from the world. Pure religion is to go for the, help the orphans and widows and to help others and to give to nations like Burundi and when we have something to give, we're blessed, right? And you know what's amazing? Even in our finance state today of, you know, we've had some struggles the last year, year and a half. Even in our state that we're in, we are still so blessed compared to most of the world. That's why we have to get our eyes on. That's why today I, I thought, you know, we, we could do an offering and help us dig out of the hole. But let's, let's give an offering to give to others. And when we give to others, God's going to put more seed in our hand to give. Because we're called here to serve, not to, be, not to have solitude. Right? Matthew 22, uh, 36 talks about the greatest commandment where someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God. Right, that's first. There's another side of the coin. That's love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. He says, yeah, I want you to love me. Yeah, I want you to pray. Yeah, I want you to worship. Yeah, I want you to connect with me in a powerful and intimate way. But uh, the prayer and the worship, I, I don't, I'm not sure is the, end, is the end game. God wants us to love him so we can love others. Right? I've wrestled with, and this is uh, maybe worth some dialogue, but there was an Oswald Chambers quote I, I struggle with in studying for this. He said, prayer isn't uh, to prepare you for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Remember that quote? And I, I think that's okay. I think, yeah, I need to have a prayer life with God. Jesus went away to pray, but when we looked at the New Testament church, in the Gospels, and in the book of Acts, guess what? They're with people. 20, they'd go and they'd pray. They even, they even prayed together. And so I wanted to remind us today, if we're going to go off the map, I needed to remind you and remind myself, God's looking for our, our servant hearts, not our solitude. He doesn't need a lot of people in a church to be off doing their own thing. He wants us to be together, to be a family, to, to pray together, to serve together, to, to have meals together, to give together, right? And so I don't, I don't think solitude is, the, if solitude was the goal, churches would be just monasteries, right? We'd be monks or off praying somewhere, you know, um, meditating, Right? Having a personal walk isn't a private walk. And I felt like I needed to remind us in a, in a world where, in the world we live in, it's hyper-individualized. We need to think more than ourselves. And that includes our prayer and worship time and our faith walk. Can I hear an amen? And so keep your prayer life. Expand your prayer life. But let's not go alone uh, because he's not looking for our solitude. He's looking for us to serve others as a church. Secondly, uh, God's called us to infiltrate, not isolate. Infiltrate. First Peter 2.11. Uh, I want to read it. 
it'll pop up on the uh, screen, but I want to read it from my Bible if I can. I got a brand new Bible a week or two ago. How many love to get a new Bible? I do. I just can't find anything in it yet. And I love to smell it. Ah, smells good. First Peter 2, verse 11. Listen to these words when we think about infiltrating, not isolating. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep such con- good conduct among uh, the heathen or the uh, Gentiles or the pagans, and stay honorable so they, when they speak against you as evildoers, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. We should probably talk about that word, live such good life among the pagans. What does that mean? All you pagans out there? Uh, Pagans mean people that don't follow God. And actually, interestingly enough, as Paul and the early church grew and expanded so fast, it mainly happened in cities, right? You hear about Paul in Rome or Paul in Ephesus or Paul in Colossae. People were getting saved at a huge rate. And the pagans were actually the people in the country because they hadn't gotten the gospel yet. So it was those country folk out there. They were the, the, originally the, the first pagans just because they didn't know God. They didn't follow God. But uh, in 1 Peter, he said, live such good life, what? Among and with and among the people. I think sometimes in church life and, and you think, um, see, I think in, a, in our culture, sometimes our paid pastors or paid professionals, we can believe that they're supposed to do the work of the ministry. We, we can see I'm a vocational. My job is in ministry, but we're all called to be full-time ministers for Jesus. And we need you even sometimes more than we need me because I, I'm in the church all the time. And it's amazing how few people I get to hang out with in the community. In fact, I've been praying, Lord, get me back out in the community. I remember one of my favorite times as a believer was uh, when I went to college uh, at the University of Montana. Uh, I also taught billiards. It was Professor Josh in the billiards class. And how many know if you're going to college, you need to take a class like billiards? It's what you parents pay good money for and student loans. Uh, but it's one of these, this class like that or like acting for non-majors. You know, everyone rushed to sign up for that. Uh, I was raised by like a professional uh, billiard player dad who, uh, you know what racking is? You know, someone wins the game and you get the balls and you rack them. I racked like from age five to like 25. So my dad would, doof, 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 doof. okay, I didn't get to shoot. <laughs> I rack them. Or he'd, he'd miss, I'd shoot once and miss, and then he'd, dum, 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 dum. I'd rack him. Uh, that's how I learned. And so by the time I got to college, I knew a little bit about billiards, but I got to teach three billiard classes a semester, uh, each with about 20 to 30 students in every single class uh, meeting. You know how I met Buck Rodoff? He's a member of the rodeo team. He moved here from Sheeney, Washington. Uh, another guy, Jason Harris, they came to the U as rodeo athletes, and they were in billiards class. 
They saw I had like a cross on my t-shirt and said, you a Christian? I said, yeah, you should come to church. They did. Buck met Jamie. What a deal. One of the things I miss about, uh, is about that time in my life is being around people. And sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm going to have a business and I'm going to hire all Christians. Don't do that. Right? <laughs> don't, hey, don't have friends that are just in church. Meet people and, and take the hobbies that you have and get to know people in the community. You guys got quiet there, so I'll hurry through this point, I guess, since you don't like it. Um, Matthew 5, 13 to 16 talks about you're the salt of the earth. You know, salt is supposed to make things salty, not to stay in the salt shaker, right? I've got my salt and my pepper, right? What do you do? Pour that on your popcorn. Get it out of there. I think God wants to, uh, God's not interested in bubble Christians, right? He, He wants to get a pin out and pop our bubbles and get us, you know, everything. And I I think in our culture, it's a little bit too over-sanitized, right? You know, the the sanitizer, we want to wash ourselves to the world and God wants to push us out into it. Get out into the world. Come on, serve the world and get our hands dirty and live such a good life among those pagans. Come on. Get out there and live a fun life among them. And and so they see your works and good deeds and they go to criticize you, but they go, wow, you're a good person. They can't see that if we just do church stuff all the time. We need to get out there into the world. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus sent them out and go make disciples. Don't hang out here, go. He, He pushed them. He wanted them to, and, and you know what? We can so hyper-individualize the Bible sometimes. Like, you know, most of the commandments are written. It's not like, you shall not steal. It's more like, y'all, if you're in the South, or you all should not steal. It's total community. It's written uh, plural and, and to people, not to just a person. And I I think we can often talk about our own anointing and our own gifting or what God's calling me to do or my ministry. And I think God wants to end that kind of mindset. And if we're ever going to go off the map, we can't go alone. We need people together to go into the world, right? Which is the third thing. Uh, God's called us to be interdependent, not independent. Interdependent. Where we work together, Romans uh, 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, God called us to be a body that works together, that moves together. It's not like the hand is like, uh, I'm the handshaker. You know, that's my ministry. It's just what I do. We're called to work together in the family of Christ, the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Interdependent. Not me and Jesus. We're not, it's not like 1099s for Jesus. I'm an independent contractor for Jesus. You know, I do my thing and, you know, church life is called to be together. And boy, if we're going to go off the map, guys, we need to be together in ministry and life. And what I love about every ministry in our church, like Heather leads our, and does an amazing job, she leads our worship teams But what's great about it, it's team. It's not Heather's show. Almost every Sunday, I don't know if you notice, she has someone new leading a song, someone up here. It's not just her up here. 
preaching and sharing the word isn't about me. It's got to be about team. The city food ministry wouldn't work without dozens and dozens of people that come to serve on a Saturday, right? It's not just Wes and Greg and a few of you who have carried the torch for years. There's team and support and people around you. Why? Because we're interdependent. This stage is here today because a team came in and tore out the old baptismal and, and put this in, a new carpet, and, which Brad helped with and helped pick, and Andrew painted the black stripes up here. How did that happen? With team, right? Every sing, single thing uh, in church needs to happen, needs to be focused on team. There's a book, and I, I think this is a great illustration, and I... I don't like doing this in a negative way, but I think this will be helpful. This is a book called Church Planter, and I can't even read the bottom either. Uh, but down here at the bottom, it says, The Man, The Message, The Mission. How cool is that cover? Right? The, he's got the sickle. The fields are white with harvest. The, you know, it makes you kind of, man, I read that book. I want to plant a church. Oh, wait, I have a church. This is my church. Some of you can plant churches, right? Pick up the book and read it. Uh, but the problem with that, I want to show you the next slide, which is actually how our church started. Right there. That's a, that was the team that started this church in 1977. And there was a man that was called with the vision, Steve Valentine, and a team for him, but it wasn't a one-hit wonder, right? There's a team, and there's Bruce Donnelly looking like Shaggy Doo on the left. Bruce, you are a hipster. Bruce would be sweet today with that mustache and the hair and even those glasses. Come on. And people would buy that jacket on eBay, I bet. And you can see, you can't really tell because it's cut off, but those pants are flaring out on the bottom. <laughs> I hear like the theme song of Scooby-Doo playing when I see that. Go back to the other one. So many of our, so many of our, uh, the slide right before, Bob, uh, so much of our, our mindset and ministry is, well, what's God calling me to do? Kind of the, the man, the message, the mission. Does God need a man? Yes. Does he need a woman? Yes. Does he need someone with a passion and a burden and a, a calling, someone who gets an idea and a vision? Of, man, let's go to Missoula, Montana and start a church. Yes, that's true, but I think this is that we don't want to go for this kind of picture of just one person, uh, just a strong gifting. We want to go for team. Why? Because we're interdependent, not independent. So much of the Bible is team, 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 team. How many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul? Amazing guy, right? Called God even said, this is my chosen instrument. God picked him and called him. But I want to flip uh, uh, two more slides ahead, if you would. I want to show you this. That first list, Aquila, Asheristeriscus, Barnabas, all 19 of those names. I didn't write them down or anything, so they're only up there. Uh, and my neck will hurt if I look back there and I don't want to turn my back on you. Those first 19 are Paul's traveling companions. The next list uh, is Paul's support ministry and fellow prisoners. 
Think of that, 16 people that just supported him, that were in prison with him. 19 that, so we can think of Paul, this amazing, and he was, amazing man, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, incredible ministry, but he had help. He had people with him. He had a team. He had people that, and, and if, you're a, if you're kind of a one-hit wonder guy, you, you don't draw a group like this unless you're a team player. Paul, obviously, and I think it gets underemphasized at times. The Bible, the New Testament is about team interdependence. Can I hear an amen? Another example's in the Genesis, really early on, the Tower of Babel. Do you remember? It says the people on the earth met in this plain, uh, and they started to build a tower. They said, we're going to reach heaven. And God came down and looked, and he said, look, these people are of one heart and one mind. And what did he say next? Because of that, nothing will be impossible for them. Because they unified, they had team, and, and they were trying to get to heaven and be like God. They had the wrong motives, but God saw the team factor, the unity factor, the collectiveness, the interdependence. They had one heart. And God said, man, nothing will be impossible for them. If we're going to ever go off the map, we need to learn we can't go alone. A few thoughts in closing uh, and why we don't go alone and why we need others. And I think uh, something maybe you need to pray about and, and look at in your own life if you're kind of a loner. See, you can either be a loner or you can have help. Can't have both, right? Proverbs 15, 22, these final scriptures to just kind of underscore the message today. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. I think the King James says, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Multitude of counselors. Who are the people that you talk to, that you get advice from and, and get prayer from, and who do you go to? See, we should never make big decisions alone. That's why we have a finance team and elders and people I pray with and we don't make decisions alone. Family and church life has to be like that, right? Sometimes we'll get a connection card. Or, um, those are the little cards in the end of your bulletin. We love to get those and pray for you, but guess what? Sometimes we can't read them because your writing's incredible, <laughs> I know there's times Maria said, I got this connection card, and she brings it to me, and she's like, do you know what it says? And I, uh, Bill wants, uh, I don't know. Bruce, come here. Heather, you know, we could gather around, and we could, there's some I just go, I think they wrote down the wrong number and email on purpose, because they'll think Pastor Stalker Josh is going to track them down. I don't you know, try to call wrong number. Ah, oh, they got me with the wrong number trick. But sometimes you can't read that. You pull people in and someone goes, oh, I think it says this. And no, it says that. And what happens? We, we can decipher what it says with help. <laughs> we can. Sometimes you need help in life to decipher what's going on. I, I can't figure out my way, but you need people around you to give you sound advice and wisdom. Because you should never make decisions alone. Can I hear a great big amen? Isolated Christianity is disobedience. We need to be genuinely known by other people that, that are in our circle. Guys, I, I think we need to lead the way in being 
open believers, okay? I don't mean classic overshare. And let's make a quick distinction because some of you share everything with everyone on Facebook, right? I can't believe this happened, (laughs) right? Just because someone said, how are you doing, doesn't mean they want to know, (laughs) right? In our culture, if someone says, how are you doing, that just means I see you, right? How are you doing, Greg? I don't really want to know. I just see you, (laughs) right? No, right? No, that's what I do want to know how Greg's doing, right? That's not, sometimes we share everything in our heart with every single person. You, that's not what I mean. We need specific people in our life that we do share with, that we're open with, that we're transparent with, that people that genuinely know us, that when we do ask, how you doing, you don't just give them the fine, right? Have you ever said that to someone, oh, I'm fine, but you're really dying inside, you're hurting inside? We need to flip the switch and be honest and transparent with the right people, right? With uh, the right people. Guys, if your wife says she's fine, that means you're dead, (laughs) right? Just a free lesson. How are you doing? Fine. (gasps) (laughs) Call in the prayer squad. I need intercessors right now. Pray in the spirit. (laughs) My wife said she's fine. Uh, Multitude of counselors, there's safety. Um, Galatians 6.25, we should never go through tests alone. Galatians 6.25 is an interesting scripture because it appears to say two different things. 6.2 through 5, did I say 25? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, carry everyone else's, carry loads with someone else. Carry it, pack it, be there for somebody. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. But look at verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load. Wait. Hmm. I always thought and probably taught that that means for big loads, you carry together. You have a huge backpack you can't get on. You know, someone has to help get that on and even carry it with you. And then you have a little eensy, beensy, little teeny backpack. That's your, you know, for each one, that's, you know, your backpack's just kind of your little one that you carry. Well, the word in the Greek actually means in verse 5, a ship's load, like a heavy load. Uh, but what it really means is there's things that God puts a burden on your life or your heart or a ministry idea or a calling, and you do need to carry that. In other words, uh, I'm responsible uh, ultimately for my family, right? When God, when God comes, when my days are done or Jesus returns, who's going to be, who's he going to call into account for my family? <laughs> Not you. Right? Do you remember when, uh, let me ask this really quick. Who sinned in the Garden of Eden first? Eve Eve took the fruit, ate it, gave it to Adam. Ah, you coward, Adam. He ate it, blamed Eve. What a dog. (laughs) God came back and said, Adam, right? Where are you? 
right? Adam, someone, see, someone somewhere is going to be responsible. And God called Adam, I believe that... I'm going to be judged, and God's going to say, Josh, how do you do with your family, with your burden, with the thing, your church, and the things I've called you to carry? Adam and Eve both hid, and they had uh, sin in their life, so they hid. So we do carry one another's burdens, but we also, there's things that God asks us to carry as well. But we should never, ever, ever go through tests alone. The last scripture, and Heather, you and the team can come. Hebrews 10, 24, uh, and 25. Uh, Guys, don't fight sin alone. Don't fight sin alone. If you're struggling now with depression or darkness or things in your past or things that you've let slip, don't fight uh, those areas in your life alone, okay? Okay. it says this, Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't go alone, guys. Be genuinely known. Um, find a com- practical ways to do this. Find a community group to connect with. I know we're coming up on summer where we meet a little bit less, but find community. Find someone to pray with. Find find someone to go out to dinner with. Find friends and people that can encourage you in your faith. Be honest with where you're at. Right? Uh, Remember, serving, not solitude. Infiltrate, don't isolate. And interdependent, not independent. How many know Aaron Ralston? He, you may know the movie about his life, 127 Hours. This is going to be just a terrible story. <laughs> Aaron uh, was this backpacker guy, is amazing backpacker, adventure guy, who went into Blue John Canyon. Do you remember this? Blue John Canyon's a slot canyon. That's one of those amazing, I have this life dream and goal of like, to go to Utah sometime and hike through those slot canyons, or those cool, red, narrow, I don't know how else to describe them. They look amazing. Uh, but Blue John Canyon's one of the prettiest, and Aaron went hiking and rappelling and climbing on his own. April 26, actually, 2003. It's my dad's birthday. It's how I know it. Um, But Aaron went alone, and as he was climbing up a crack in the rock, an 800-pound boulder rolled over in his arm. How many of you have ever heard this? Rolled in his arm, and he got stuck there for five days and like seven hours, 127 hours. Usually, (laughs) it's not a good deal when they make a movie about your life, or sometimes it's not. Bad things have to happen to you. Uh, He was stuck there for five days. You know what the problem, Aaron's problem was? He didn't tell anyone where he was going. As we began the message, I talked about things you shouldn't do alone, rappelling, scuba diving, backpacking, faith, life, rock climbing. Can you do those things alone? Yes. Usually you find yes. Typically you are. Uh, But on this day, but the problem is sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're not. And this guy uh, had to take a, literally take a pocket knife and relieve himself of his arm that was stuck. 
cut it off at the joint, and he escaped. It's an amazing story. He had to rappel down 60 feet with one arm, and he made it out alive. He's this public speaker today and an entrepreneur. But his problem, Aaron's problem, was he went alone. Could he have saved his arm? I'm not sure. That seems horrible, but the, the story would be different. And I say that both as an encouragement and, as a, and a warning, because many of you are good at community. You're here today. Some of you need to be warned and, and just say, man, don't go alone. And I think if we can get this to serve and to not isolate and to go into the world and be interdependent, we're going to go off the map. We will go far. If you want to go somewhere, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with a team. And we, I think God wants to grow a huge, amazing team here in this church so we can go far and go off the map. Can I hear an amen? Today as a team, uh, we gave $2,383.20 to Burundi. That's amazing. So let's stand to our feet. Heather's going to lead us in an incredible song, and then we'll uh, dismiss.